Hello and welcome to Minor Rex. I'm Charlie, and today I'm joined by Angie, Nina, and Maureen as we discuss the author Colleen Hoover, as well as the next generation of readers who are, are posting on TikTok under the hashtag uh, BookTok, and that's uh, B-O-O-K-T-O-K, as in TikTok, uh, not like a book talk. Although it, it seems like there is some similarity between BookTok and traditional reader's advisory. So are any of you active on BookTok, either as a poster or as a viewer? Um, I would definitely say that I get a lot of people that are recommending books. I've seen a couple come up. Like, obviously, Colleen Hoover was one of the biggest ones that started, I think, Book Talk. But I see a lot of um, Credence. I've heard a lot of good things about that book. Atlas of the Heart. Like, so many good books coming up. But, I mean, I love it. I love seeing how people like books and what books they like and what their opinions are on them. Yeah, it's sort of trending on any platform that, that you go to because obviously there's big book communities on Twitter and uh, Instagram and a lot of the other social media things. But it really seems like the TikTok community banded together and it, it seems to have happened during the early pandemic 2020 period when libraries were all closed. And so there was sort of a vacuum in this sort of person to person recommending books. And so I, I think. My theory is sort of that's probably the vacuum that BookTok filled, the need that people have to discover new, exciting things to read. I'm not a poster on the BookTok, but I definitely like keep tabs on it by watching some of the videos. And it's interesting to see like who is actually like popular on BookTok at any given point in time. Hmm. Do you find authors kind of fall in and out of favor? There's some I think that have been steady. One good example is Madeline Miller who wrote The Song of Achilles, and that book is from 2011. And that book still gets a lot of buzz, and it's recommended in a ton of different, like, book talk videos. Okay. So I think it's a good example of, like, long-term staying power for certain authors. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Colleen Hoover is, like, another example of someone who has, like, longer-term, I think, appeal. But then you also get to see a lot of new authors that probably don't have as much, like, press. Mm-hmm. That's always fun and exciting. Yeah. I was going to say, I've definitely seen people, like, come from, like, step one of trying to get themselves published and from going viral. I mean, Mm. there's, like, Light Lark. I forgot the author's name, but she became, like, sensational, and she's even, like, has a movie deal and everything, Mm. and that was, like, her first book ever. Another one that, um, besides the Achilles book, there's A Court of Thorns and Roses that came out when I was, like, I think a freshman in high school, Mm. so... That one, I mean, it's it's crazy to see, like, a book that's come out such a long time ago and then see it, like, everywhere and, like, viral and now, like, possibly becoming, like, a film, TV show. Like, it's mm-hmm. crazy. There does seem to be sort of a common sort of transition that the authors make from self-publication. A lot of them start publishing their own books digitally, and then as they get a little bit more of a buzz online... Uh, then big publishing houses like Simon & Schuster's will give them a deal and publish them at paperback. And and then, of course, after that, then it's you know sort of an easy journey to getting a, a TV or a movie adaptation, um, which seems to be the status of a lot of these books currently. Yeah, because I know um, Daisy Jones and the Six, that yeah. is being adapted into a series. Yeah, I think that one it, uh, Yeah, out. it already came out, okay. and it was wonderful. Just to let everybody know. <laughs> I told Netflix. Angie about it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's on um, Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime, gotcha. Yeah, and it was really good. I really liked it. 
But yeah, I think I think like your book has really made it. I feel when it's become like a movie or TV show, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people like take a lot of pride in that. Like, oh, like my book's becoming a movie, and it's like right. crazy. You know, seeing it come to life, I'm sure is like such a rewarding experience. Do you think that those adaptations point people back to the original books, or do they sort of become a replacement for those books? I think it's more so like if they hear that a movie or a show comes out, I think if they haven't watched the show yet, much less read the book, the first thing they do is start reading the book. They hurry up and start reading the book. Say, Let me hurry up and read this book first so they can compare it yeah. to what they watched. You know, that's what I've noticed that happens more often. Yeah, even if it's a faithful adaptation, then, mm. you know, they're going to end up cutting something. And so, yeah, just doing the comparison raises the awareness of the original book. I was going to say, I think it depends on, like, the person as well and whether they're interested in reading. People don't realize how many movies and TV shows actually come from, like, books. Yeah, Yeah, like, a lot of people just don't know about it. And then once they do hear, like, oh, it's a book, like, that's crazy. Like, Mm -hmm. it started as a book. I guess to bring it to Colleen Hoover, I I hear that It Ends With Us, her sort of breakthrough book, has just been or is soon to be released as a movie Mm -hmm. uh, starring Blake Lively. I love her. (laughs) I love Gossip Blake Lively. Girl. I love Blake Lively too. Unfortunately, there's a lot of controversy over mm. selecting her. A lot of people were saying that the age uh, wasn't like the same as like the book. I think like the characters like in her like 20s or something. Mm. I'm not really 100 percent positive, but also about how like they should have given a fresh face to like the movie, like mm. so that someone else has an opportunity to make their way into like the movie industry. But I think there's in general there's just like a bunch of controversy around like the mm. film in general. But if she's really going to be the lead, though, this is now, like, the third time Blank Lively has done, like, I think a book adaptation to, like, some type of screen. Because she was in Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, then Gossip Girl, then Gone Girl. So this is her fourth one now. So I think that's interesting, too, because I don't know of many others besides, like, anyone who was in Harry Potter that had, like, Mm -hmm. different books that they were, like, leads in. Well, I think Colleen Hoover actually, like, said that, like, Blake Lively was, like, her dream person to play Lily. So, I mean, it's her book, so I'm like, she can do it. <laughs> she should have whoever she wants, especially if that person is willing to do it. Yeah. So I will say I haven't actually read any Colleen Hoover books, but I have spent some time exploring the Colleen Hoover hashtag on BookTok, you know, just sort of scrolling through it and seeing people's hot takes what people have to say about her books and like what's really sort of making her popular. I mean, she is so popular that she's often shortened to just Coho because, of <laughs> course, TikTok has, you know, pretty strict character limits and its captions. So, you know, space is at a premium. But yeah, Coho uh, seems to have just a lot of videos on the theme of the amount of like emotional damage that she causes to her readers a fair amount of them actually reported some physiological symptoms to finishing one of her books. Like, you know, I was sick for a week after I finished Verity or something like that. That's Ooh, probably... I didn't hear anything like that. <laughs> and, and this is just from, you know, idly scrolling a hashtag. But yeah. I have to say it, it sort of put me off because, you know, I think I've, I've got a pretty strong constitution. But a couple of weeks ago, I actually passed out while watching the latest season of Call the Midwife. So now I'm... Oh. I'm <laughs> different i feel like i haven't seen that i feel like that's very different because i think the other thing two people forget is that colleen hoover has a range of different books that she's written Mm -hmm. so some of them are yeah some of them are like the more of like the twisted thrillers like verity for example Mm -hmm. i read that one 
I could see why someone would be sick after or during reading it. Um, I, too, was kind of like, so how was the state of the world after I was done reading this? I'm like, how is everyone doing? Because I have some questions. Right. Um, But she really writes, like, she's written other things I would say are more like rom-coms. Okay. In an odd way. Like, she has a range of things that she writes about. Okay. But I think what's gotten the most buzz has been some of her more, like, gory or were, like, violent or had, like, odd, like, twists and turns to them Mm because that makes for, like, good publicity. Sure. Yeah, Verity. I, I read Verity also, and that book, you know, is definitely creepy. It's unsettling. It's sinister, and it's mind bending to the point that by the time I finished reading it, I wasn't sure if I should be team manuscript or team letter. Uh, yeah. For those that read, you know, like you read it, you understand what I'm talking about. Like some people, you know, they believe the manuscript. Some people they believe the letter, mm-hmm. you know, that was written. So it really depends on which, I don't know for you, like if you believe the letter, Maureen. I honestly didn't believe either one of them because this was my problem, which is no spoilers at all, was I felt like there was one twist too many at the end. Mm-hmm. And I didn't believe it. And I wasn't a fan. I was like, okay, can we just get through the last few pages? <laughs> this has I been a book... There's been a lot of interesting things, I guess, if you want to call them interesting. And yeah, so I was like, I don't believe either one. I wasn't that invested, I guess. But I was also just like, ugh, by the time I got to that part. (laughs) Towards the end, I was also like, I just want to get through this book just to say that I finished it. And, um, but yeah, I mean, Verity was good. It captures, like, everything that you would expect an author to do to, like, get the attention of the reader. Mm -hmm. Like, the beginning of the book is pretty, like crazy i would say i mean someone gets like killed in like the first like five pages or something (laughs) spoiler alert it's not a big main character but Mm -hmm. i mean it's definitely like how to write a book like that's i feel like verity follows that like step Mm -hmm. by step like but is that how you write a book do you just like get a random book deal and then like go live in some guy's mansion like, I mean, it, for some people, they just, like, eat it up. Like, I know, for me, I was just like, I don't even remember who the main character's name was. Like, the thing with Verity that I couldn't, and not as much with It Ends With Us. I kind of liked It Ends With Us more than Verity. But the characters, I just didn't really feel like I knew them. Like, mm-hmm. I was more invested in the mystery as opposed to the characters. And for me, that's kind of, like, a big deal breaker when it comes to, like, a book. Like, if uh, the characters aren't intriguing and I don't care about them, then I really don't care about the book at the end of the day. I felt the way about Verity was, I felt like it was a very interestingly done Twilight fan fiction rewrite. Because the guy is, like, personality is just like, I am broody and mysterious for no reason other than because I can be. And the main woman's like, wow, this guy's fantastic. I need to know him. And then the next thing you know, you're like, oh, no, here we go again. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering, too, if part of the appeal is because it's vaguely Mm Twilight-ish. Like, was that part of the appeal, we think, I think it follows what's the word um trope like that kind of yeah. trope yeah you know? i guess that's like that's what i mean by like how to write a book like kind of follows like common tropes that like people like and that like people gravitate towards mm-hmm. and for some people that's like i'm not gonna read something like that and for others it's like give me that i'm gonna read it after work like mm-hmm. i'll finish it in a day type yeah of, you know energy you know yeah i guess one of the things that like those effective authors at hooking you in do is they have effective 
opening lines. And I saw a couple videos that were pointing out Colleen Hoover is great with opening lines. Her opening lines tend to skew very visceral. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what is it with us? That's, that's a very good point. I mean, you have to feel something in order to like get hooked. I guess. Yeah. Should I read it? Yeah. What's the first line? And it ends with us. As I sit here with one foot on either side of the ledge, looking down from twelve stories above the streets of Boston, I can't help but think about suicide. All right, we've got a I mean, trigger yeah. warning in the very first line of the book. Like another one I saw was "Somebody stabbed you in the neck, young lady." That, that's one of the tamer opening lines, and it's like, you know, it makes you want to read more, but it's also pretty gross. I mean, I think it goes into like this. Maybe like this generation more so mm. than others. Like they just need something that's going to get their attention like immediately because like, lack the patience to wait for mm. something to like build. It also depends on like how much time you have. Like to me, if I don't like a book after like fifty pages, like I right. taught myself to like, hey, like you just need to put it down and go on to the next one because yeah. like realistically, it's like I don't have too much time to read, so I really just want something intriguing. Yeah, and her books. It seems like they all kind of start. In the middle of the action. Yeah. I mean, I personally didn't like Verity. I liked It Ends With Us a bit more. Okay. And and that seems to be the one that, that first took people's attention in Book Talk and some of these other online communities. What is it about that book that grabs people? It kind of creates like a conversation. In the book, like there's um, an abusive relationship mm-hmm. and it's like really unexpected. Like I didn't expect it. I kind of, like, knew something was bound to happen because, you know, like, whenever you read or watch a movie, like, you expect, like, something to go on before it ends. I liked the book, and then I talked to someone about it, and they said that the problem that they had with it was that they felt like Ryle, who was her boyfriend, um, was romanticized Mm. a lot and that it wasn't easy to dislike him. Like, Colleen Hoover made it easier to like him as a character, even Mm. though he was an abusive partner. Yeah. And I guess you could say she's writing it with nuance, but it's also an easy path towards romanticizing or normalizing or glamorizing abusive relationships. And yeah, one of the videos that I saw pointed to the graphic design of the cover as something like it's the marketing of the book as like a romance novel that earned a particularly strong reaction. Like I think on the back cover the tagline is sometimes the one who loves you is the one who hurts you the most. I don't know if it is it on that. It is. Okay. I guess there's nothing wrong with that phrase because it does kind of describe one of the themes of the book. But when you put it in the same font design as any number of straight romance novels, then it's going to land a certain way. You know, it kind of, it reminds me of the voice in romantic comedy trailers you know, romantic comedy trailer voice. Yeah, like, that yeah. guy can say anything. And as long <laughs> as there's like smiling actors that you recognize and like a Motown song in the background, it's going to give you the feel good vibes. And so, you know, if that voice is sometimes the one who loves you, it's, you know, it just makes you feel creepy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it could also be like a line that they use to like promote vampire books. Mm. Mm. And it's not a vampire book though. Right. I, I guess that's not a spoiler. <laughs> but it's odd, like, I wonder if it's a thing, like, because that's, like, where I think that could have come from. Mm. Tropes from vampire stories sometimes get thrown around to the romance world. I'm like, do you right. know where this came from? Well, isn't uh, Fifty Shades of Grey that adapted from Twilight, Twilight fan fiction? Yes. Yeah. Really? Yes. Probably some of the same accusations of 
normalizing abusive behavior can be leveled at Twilight and Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Where clearly the relationships in those books are not healthy. No. <laughs> and I, I remember when I did a book discussion last month, mm. it wasn't Verity. It was a different book that I did, and they brought up Verity because they was comparing the book that I was discussing and then they did mention that book, mm. and that was one of the things that they said they didn't like about that book. Sure, mm. yeah. That's why they didn't like it. Yeah. You know, I think it just really depends on who's reading it. Mm. So different strokes for different folks, I guess. Yeah, different books for different readers. Um, I was going to say I think I liked this book more than Verity and just in general more than her other books because it's more personal for her, I feel. Her parents were actually in an abusive relationship. Mm. And so I think she kind of, like this book comments on how it's not as simple as just someone being a good or bad person Mm. because it's called It Ends With Us. Spoiler alert. It's called It Ends With Us because she's actually makes the choice to end the cycle of Mm. like abuse because she ends up having a child with her partner. And she tells him that she's not going to allow her daughter to keep going on like this cycle of abuse and toxicity. And because she, her, the character Lily, she was also like, her parents were also abusive. So she just chose to like end it there. I think it does comment on like how complex people are. And I mean, not to defend Ryle or anything or anybody like that's struggled in like an abusive relationship. But um, I really like the ending and how. Colleen actually mentions how she ended up having a very good relationship with her father at the end of the day, like even though like she obviously um, had a lot of problems with him um, and forgiving him, especially for what he did to the mom, her mom, she ends up saying in the end that even though it was hard to forgive him, like she's glad she did and that she reminds him that there's always a chance for someone to change, like their worst moments don't define them if they don't let it define them. Do you think that the characters are true to life? Um, That's what I liked about it. I like when characters, like, that's why I feel like it lacked in Verity, was that Mm. I just didn't feel connected to the characters whatsoever. They were just so unrealistic, you Mm. know, and I think the story was just so unrealistic. This is a very realistic book. Like Things like this happen. I just thought it was a great read, and for someone that had never, like, seen abuse in that way, or, like, ever read about it, or seen it like in a movie like it was really eye-opening and i think she did a wonderful job with putting herself into the book as well yeah not every abusive relationship is going to look the same mm-hmm. i think is what this book comments on okay. you know it's not an easy topic to address especially because i think people didn't really expect it whatsoever because right. like you said it kind of looks like romance like just happy-go-lucky yeah. romance mm-hmm. no darkness in it and i think people that like i know like my mom personally she doesn't like anything dark when she reads like she just wants something that's like happy 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 and Mm. that's it that is not colleen hoover for the most part (laughs) yeah no and it seems not to be uh, book talk for the most part it it seems like that community does sort of gravitate towards books with, with some of these more upsetting topics i think there's definitely authors who don't fit that and mm. one of them i think of is ashley henning blake she writes romance books mm. and they're not like that they're kind of like you know happy-go-lucky type of things yeah. they make you feel good they don't make you feel sad right but i think she's kind of a little bit different in that regard i know you'd mentioned uh, uh, frida mcfadden earlier mm-hmm. as another author who's sort of in this realm She's one of the the self 
published okay. ones where she's not really a lot of people haven't heard of her as much but then as of late mm-hmm. she has been blowing up okay. like crazy like the housemaid which is the book I, I did a book discussion on last month mm-hmm. and then she came out with a sequel okay called the housemaid secret i like the housemaid better but then people like uh never lie um she just published another book recently called uh Ward D or something. I mean, she just came out with like another book, like very recently. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's right now. She is like hot. Okay. She's considered hot right now. Yeah. You know, another thriller. People like thrillers. You know, I highly recommend you read her. <laughs> she's she's very good. Do you tend to uh, read these on an e screen, or are you reading paper books? Or are you doing uh, the audio book route? What's your favorite way of reading some of these books? I tend to go back and forth between the traditional paper and ebook. Mm. Like if I'm at home, I will read the paper. Mm. And then if I'm at work, I will switch to the ebook format, mm-hmm. you know, and since just you know where you left off. Correct. Okay. Yes. And that'll help me get through it faster, but sometimes unfortunately if it's not an ebook version of it available, I would have to just stick with the yeah. paper. Gotcha. I don't do audiobooks often. My auditory skills are no. You get distracted. <laughs> I would be sitting there going, "What? What did it say?" I have to keep rewinding. Mm-hmm. You know, my right. my ADHD. No, it it just does not compute mm. very easily for me. I'm like, okay, what? I got to keep rewinding it. No. Right. <laughs> so I have to visually. I have to see it. Gotcha. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think for me it depends on like what it is because the one book I really want to read is A Court of Thorn and Roses, but we only have it, you can get it through Hoopla right now, but that's kind of like the only way you can mm. get that through us right now. But otherwise, I usually go between either a physical book or the ebook. Mm-hmm. But I'm not afraid to do like the audiobook because then I just listen to that while I'm like driving to and from work or like running errands. Okay. You can borrow my copy. <laughs> oh, there you go. I actually have like the first edition of it. <gasps> Wow. Yeah. You can definitely borrow it. <laughs> I personally didn't enjoy the series. And I know that's like a huge book on Book Talk, like a huge book. I just didn't end up finishing it. I got like through like the second half of the second book and I just couldn't do it. Oh no. The first book was very easy to read though. Yeah. But the second one for me, I was just like, ah, I don't care about anybody. And here. this is a big series too. It's not like it's three, it's like six books. It's a lot. And that's why I feel like with series, it's a little bit hard. I don't think the second book was it falls into like that pattern of, I don't know if you guys have noticed it, but sequels tend to be like the worst out of the series sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But this one was actually like the best one out of the series. A lot of people say, and I, I do see why. For me, it was just a bit too long. Like I think it's like 800 or more pages. 800 pages. <laughs> she just keeps repeating how cool everybody is. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'm done with this. So... But you can definitely borrow it. I could finish, like, an 800-page book in, like, a couple days. I mean, if it's really, like, intriguing. But, unfortunately, this book just wasn't it personally for me. <laughs> I typically tend to read physical copies. I used to think that I wouldn't be able to handle audiobooks because I think I had the same, like, thought as you, Angie, that I wouldn't be able to, like, compute it properly, like, when I'm doing something. And I just keep, like, going back and forth, rewinding it. But 
I actually really enjoy audiobooks now and I think like you said Maureen like it depends on like what I'm reading like sometimes like if it's a little hard for me to get into a book I'll give it a second chance by just listening to the audiobook while I'm doing like house chores um but I do prefer reading physical books I can't do ebooks like unless I I have to for school because it's the cheaper option mm. like my eyes start to hurt and I get like a headache so I can't do ebooks. Yeah. Plus, if I'm tired, dark, dark <sighs> mode, so I don't get a headache. Oh yeah, like I turn on dark mm-hmm. mode. So white text on a black background. Yeah, okay. yeah, that does help. Yeah, I just, I mean, unless I have to, like, I'd rather not. Yeah. But the yeah. other thing I'll do is I'll if it's on Libby, I'll send the ebook to my Kindle, and then reading on that is no problem because mm-hmm. it feels more like an I actual book. I try doing it on the computers here, like while we're at the desk, and I yeah. can't do it. I just like get tired. I'm like, no, I need to stay awake. <laughs> The only exception, very rare exception that I've done an audiobook is if it was like a nonfiction mm. audiobook. Yeah. Because to me it feels like I'm listening to like NPR. Right. Mm. Like yeah. the radio or something, which is a nonfiction source. Like yeah. podcast. Technically. It'll be easier for me to focus mm-hmm. for some reason. I yeah. don't I don't know why. I, I found a similar thing. Like I, I tend to read a lot of celebrity memoirs and when they read their own memoir on an audiobook i find it very easy to listen to because mm-hmm. it's just like a personal narrative spoken by the person who it's happening to exactly so it's, it's more like a conversational thought but yeah sometimes i also tend to rewind 30 seconds and listen to what i just listened to because <laughs> i was busy doing the dishes or something and my mind wandered <laughs> I do that too. I kind of tell myself, I'm like, do you really need every detail though? Because you're going to forget it either way. So I was like, I feel like with some books, like if I don't care as much about the details, I'll mm-hmm. just like listen to it. I'm like, yeah. don't rewind. Okay. Like, you'll be fine. You know what's right. going on. You know the gist of it. Like just relax and do the dishes. But I'm not sure who two times speed audiobooks are for. You have to have a pretty chaotic brain to oh, listen to it. Have you tried like, it? I, I've tried it, and I really? can't understand nope. any of it. I can't do it. I'm like, no. Nope. Gibberish. Yeah. I actually tried it once, and then I was like, oh, I can't do this. But then I kept like going up gradually mm-hmm. in the speed, and I was like, okay. I was like, this is not bad. And yeah, I did it in Spanish, too. Okay. The fact that I could understand like what's going on and... I was like, that's pretty cool. But I would give it a shot because actually I think Ariana actually said that she can't listen to an audiobook unless it's a little bit sped up. Because mm. I don't know why. I feel like it kind of processes. And for me personally, and maybe for her, yeah. it processes a bit more for me. Like I don't get as distracted okay. for some reason. Interesting. I don't know. I can't tell you how my brain works. Sometimes the book you're reading becomes your adversary if you're reading it for too long. One time I challenged myself to read Atlas Shrugged, and I started just hating it. But I just forced myself to finish it, and I I finished it because I allowed myself to write rebuttals in the margins. (laughs) (laughs) Which, of course, makes it unresellable. Yes. I've noticed on a lot of the book talk videos that people will film themselves highlighting particular sections with a physical highlighter. And it seems like that's sort of like a tactile way of interacting with books that you sort of can't get when you're using an e-reader. And of course you can't, you shouldn't do if you have a library book. No, you should not. <laughs> we ha- don't like that. What I like about an e-book, and I wish I could get it more into them, is you can highlight. Because I, oh, yeah. I do it all the time for school. Mm-hmm. And I like seeing like the notes I have as yeah. well in there. But I also love that you can like, 
I tend to like if I don't know a word, like I'll definitely like Google it, and mm-hmm. I love that. All I have to do with an ebook is just press that word, yeah. and like it'll tell me what it means. So I do love that. Yeah. Oh, do you guys ever read a book and then get so frustrated with the character that you just have to like put it down and then like think <laughs> about what you would say to this character <laughs> for like fifteen minutes? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think out loud <laughs> when I'm really thinking about that character. Like, you idiot. (laughs) Why would you do that? (laughs) Just like in a movie. Like, I need to process this. I need to pause this and yell at the screen for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah, it seems like a a lot of the book talk reaction videos are, you know, I'm halfway through Chapter 9, and I have some thoughts, and I need to yell them at my (laughs) my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to do that a lot sometimes, especially if I can't handle it. I think, like, what kills it sometimes is, like, first-person point of view. If you can't mm. stand the character that's narrating it, mm. it's a deal-breaker sometimes because you're just, like... Right, there's not an I'm alternate perspective there's, to be found. Yeah, and that's crazy. Like, I think... Would you guys say first-person point of view is the most common point of view? First, and I think third is also getting there, but not as much as first. When I was, like, growing up, when I started reading... Um, I used to hate third-person point of view, yeah. and then I read a book that was like just like top-notch third-person point of view, and I was like, if every book was like this, like you know, because like it is crazy how common like first point of view is because you're only getting that person's side of the story. Mm-hmm. It's like your bias, and so is the person yeah. that you're reading. The you know? thing that could be kind of annoying about first person is. Depending on the book, uh, sometimes first person writes in past tense, and yeah. sometimes they write in present tense. Or, or some people write in present tense, and some are write in past tense. Or so, and it can be really weird and mm. annoying. Yeah. Whereas third person, they're more consistent in the tense that they write in. And, of course, in third person, you get a more wider... Uh, the best third-person writers, you get the thoughts of the character, hmm. and you get, of course, the scene of where this character is right. and, and, and what's going on and, and all that stuff. Some third-person uh, people that write in third-person don't always give you that. That is a downside of third-person sometimes. Not all of them do that, but some hmm. of the best ones do that, they and that's the, what I like. Yeah. yeah. The interiority of the characters. Yes. Yeah. And those are some of the best yeah. ones. I mean, there's different ways you can go about it. Like, it could be, like, an all-knowing perspective mm-hmm. or, like, limited knowledge. I was just reading about it for school. That's why I comment okay. on it. But I think third person is, like, the best personally, especially, like, if you can execute it well. Like, it's just chef's kiss. And sometimes first person, um, like, one of my favorite authors, she writes in first person. But she has books where they have, like, more than one character, each chapter has yes. a different character, and it's always from their perspective. I love like that. Yeah, I, those are my favorite first-person writers yeah. when they do it like that, because you're getting it from each character's perspective. And, you know, you're getting their experience from their eyes yeah. instead yes. of each chapter coming from just one character. You know, it can get kind of meh. Whereas, like you said, third person, you're getting especially if they do the full thing, yeah. the full platter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the best, of course. That's optimal. That's probably one of the reasons why I liked the book, The Atlas Six, so much. Mm. Um, I know that's on Book Talk a lot, too, but they do, like, multiple perspectives throughout that book. 
And so you get to kind of get some idea of what, like, what most of the characters are thinking about at some point in time. Mm. And it's interesting because that's one where like they all have to pick one person to like no longer be in their group, and mm. that person has to be murdered. So like, how do you come up with that idea? It's a magical society, so don't worry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting, and how that all played out was really interesting. Was it first person or? Ah, uh, that that's was the book you told I me think, to read. Yeah, I think that one was third person. Yeah, I think I would like that because yeah. that's, that's also one of my favorite authors does that as well, where she'll like have it in third person, but have every chapter kind of like be about that character, their thoughts in their head, and like what they're thinking about, what the world around them looks like to them. Yeah, we've mentioned in book talk how people use hashtags to sort of train the algorithm what they're interested in. I don't know how the TikTok algorithm actually works, and. As I said before we started recording, TikTok sometimes makes me feel like I'm 70 years old, that I just... Wait, how so? <laughs> I'm actually 35 years old, but when I open TikTok, <laughs> I feel like I'm 70. There's slang that's going around that I haven't heard before. Yeah. There, there are you know, people talking about whole things that I have absolutely no frame of reference towards, and... I find my hashtag and I'm like, oh, I'm comfortable here. I'm, I'm comfortable on Golden Girls TikTok. <laughs> I'm, I'm comfortable on Cat TikTok. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I know people have said like if you comment on videos, like you'll get more like videos right. like about what you commented on. Yeah. So that's an option. Yeah. <laughs> but since it is sort of a discovery-based uh, platform, I think the cool thing about BookTok is that it, the more you watch, the more it'll show you in your feed new authors that you maybe wouldn't have heard of other ways. And so, yeah, I think it's a really cool tool for discovering the next thing you're going to read. Mm-hmm. I like seeing what other people are like reading and what's really popular. I mean, I think that's like, really common. Like, you just want to know what's being talked about the most, what's the most popular. Like, mm-hmm. with the Oscars, like, we always have patrons come and check out whatever's being nominated that year. I think like, that's always just nice to have, like, suggestions because there's just an infinite amount of books to read. Mm-hmm. I mean, even working here, it's like you just accumulate a yeah. book after book after book. I have, like, 20 books at home. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. how am I yeah. going to get through these? <laughs> And then I, like, look on TikTok, and I'm, like, even more books being suggested to me, and I'm putting them on hold, and I'm, like, oh, my gosh, like, when is it going to end? Like, it's never going to end. Well, hopefully not, because this is a lot of fun, you know? Oh, it is? Oh, I love it. It's, it's fun. It's just... Like, we like this, for those of you playing along at home. We like this. We don't want it to end. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm just, You're like... to read. the time. I'm, like, where's the time? I want more time to read all these books. Yeah. Which sort of goes back to why you were saying the Colleen Hoover book sort of grab you at the very beginning because, you know, who has time to get through three chapters of exposition? Like, start things where they get interesting and go yeah. from there. Yeah. yeah. Are there any other authors or books that you've sort of discovered digitally that have since become favorites or ones that you would recommend? Olivia Blake for me because she wrote The Atlas Six. Um, mm. But I found that book on Libby because that book had really generous... Um, digital rights to it so basically she didn't care about like getting revenue from like the digital book Mm -hmm. she just wanted it to be as available as possible so the digital book came out on libby like six months before the physical book was released okay so there was a readership and there was a lot of excitement about it 
And then I think that's part of why when the physical book came out, it was so successful. Mm -hmm. But also just because it's a really cool premise. Yeah. I mean, there's a book that I read. It was a sci-fi book called Burrowed by Mary Bader Cayley that you can get as an equal. Okay. Um, that's really good. So. Daisy Jones and the Six, I've actually read it, and it's by Taylor Jenkins Reid, and I, I personally love the book. And if you love music, I think you'll appreciate it even more so. Other books that have been really popular on Book Talk is Love and Other Words by Christina Lauren. Shatter Me by Mafi Tahiri. I'm not really sure how to pronounce the name. Stone Blind by Natalie Haynes. Um, if you like mythology, like historical fiction, I think you could definitely get into that book. I actually am really excited to start reading that. Um, Scythe, a YA book by Neil Schusterman. I heard is also amazing. Yeah, I've heard good things about that one. Yeah, I've checked it out. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to start reading that. Um, the Inheritance Games, which is also like extremely popular by Jennifer Barnes, and I'm in the middle of reading it. If We Were Villains by ML Rio, and We Were Liars by E. Lockhart. One that I read recently that I know is making the rounds on Book Talk is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. Yes. That was a good one. Also, um, Aristotle and Dante Discover the Mysteries of the Universe. That was a good one, too. And if you like Dark Academia, Babel, mm. and The Secret History, I heard, are very good as well. Mm. I was actually about to say Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. You stole that thought right out of my head. <laughs> If you like video games. Um, yeah, because I am a gamer. Yeah, so. it has some Mario references in there. Yeah. It's very nostalgic, I would say. for like If you grew up playing video games, it's definitely nostalgic and mm. beautiful in that way. Because that is a book that I will be doing a book discussion on yeah. later on this year. That's why I was going to recommend it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go to that, Angie. I hope you guys come. We'll be there with our talking points, and we'll be like, as discussed in our book talk podcast. <laughs> yes. Please come. Bring you know your, what bring it's your be? friends. What is it going to be exactly? I think it's going to be in November. Oh, so we have time to prepare. Yeah, oh, you got plenty of time. It is a longer book, so that gives you plenty of time to read it. <laughs> For sure. And in the meantime, the Des Plains Library is indeed on TikTok. <laughs> if you uh, open up your TikTok app and follow Des Plains Library, you'll get to see all of our content. So yeah, do, do that. It's a good way to spend your time. And find out about programs we have going on. Absolutely. All of our wonderful <laughs> programs. Yes. Well, thanks so much for uh, listening. This has been Minor Rex. We will see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.